Well, hey, if we've not met, my name is John. I get to serve as the lead pastor, and I'm very, very excited you're here. Just turn to somebody near you. That may take some work for you, Brent, but but just let's just turn to somebody and just say, I'm really glad that you're here too. And I don't know what you did to make that like no one wants to sit with you, but it is awesome. Thanks for joining online if you're too cold to be here in person. Um, I am really glad that you're here. I'm really excited about just what God is doing already in our morning and uh, glad that you're here for it as well. I was thinking about this. How many of you would say, just self-describe as like, I like snow. When the flurries fall, I like it. It's pretty. It's cute. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Some of you? Anybody? Okay, just checking. All right. So you are not my people. I, I'm a sun person. I like the. I like vitamin D. I like the desert. Like, I don't know. It's God's calling that I ended up in Michigan, but here we are. And I was thinking about this because I've lived a bunch of places. Like my freshman year of high school, uh, my family kind of uprooted from West Michigan and lived in Baku, Azerbaijan for a year. Anybody go on vacation in Azerbaijan in, in the recent history? Yeah, I didn't think so. No one vacations there. It is literally a small, tiny little oil country between Russia and Iran. Like it's not the most tropical of places, okay? So we lived there for a year. Uh, my family did ministry there and... I remember it's very, very early on, like stepping off the plane early on, that I realized, oh shoot, like I'm a freshman in high school, I don't speak Azerbaijani, I don't speak Russian, I don't understand anything. Like I got off the plane and understood nothing, none of the signs were to go, no clue. McDonald's drive through no clue. Uh, trying to figure out school and even church on some level, it was like no clue. I could, those people didn't understand me. They didn't speak English, and I didn't speak Azari. I just had no idea how to, to function. But I quickly found out what is a common language in every country is sports. And so we began kind of meeting up with some neighborhood uh, kids in our apartment complex, and we'd play soccer like every day after school. And this is a, a live picture of doing that. Not the exact story I'm about to tell you, but one of them. And we were playing soccer. It was fun. It was, it was a good way to build relationships, even though you couldn't really understand one another. But it, ha- it so happened that I played a little soccer in middle school. And so I thought I was pretty high. Like, I thought it was pretty good stuff on, on, the, on the soccer pavement there. And so we were playing one day. I've got two younger brothers. They also played soccer. And so we were just like, all right, today's the day. we got to school these clowns. Like, we are going to win this game. We lost every other game. We're going to win this game. And so finally the ball gets to me. We're up a, up a couple uh, points. I was going to say goals. I don't even know. We were up. You can tell I'm very uh, athletic. But we were up. The score was in our favor. And I kind of get the ball passed to me, and I'm like, I'm just going to shoot it. I'm going to shoot it. I need to score a goal. And there was a guy who's probably four or five years older than all the rest of us. Like, we're all, like, kind of 14, 15 years old at this time. My brothers are even younger than that. And he is probably 18 or 19. He had no business being in this game. But I kind of load up, and he's near the goal, and I just kick it as hard as I can, and it hits him right where you never want to be hit if you're of the male species. And he is ticked. I mean, this guy gets angry. And it, it doesn't even, time does not pass that far to where he has me up against the concrete wall, this garage wall, and he is going after me. He is just tearing me apart verbally. He was just going after me, going after me. The catch is, bro, I don't understand anything you're saying. I, I can't hear, any, I'm just hearing this guy and he's mad, mad, mad. And finally, like, and I'm like, should I, 
should I go back at him like in English? Well, no, he can't understand anything. I can't like say a your mama joke or use a swear word even as a freshman in high school. Like he doesn't get any of this. And so I did the most manly kind of warrior Christian thing to do. I take my right hand and I load up like this and I just slap him as hard as I possibly can. I just slapped him so hard. It was like a power slap on Sarah. I just like, boom, as hard as I could. Like if he had chalk, it would be like, poof, like off his face. He got hit hard. And immediately he just, he hugged me after. He just loved me. No, I'm kidding. He didn't do that. <laughs> Bro is like about to kill me, I think. And so his friends immediately realize he's about to pop off and they jump and grab his arms and restrain me. And me and my two little skinny brothers, we pieced out of there as soon as possible. We ran so fast back to our apartment uh, and I never saw the guy again. It was like the end of the story. We never played soccer at that place again. It was game over. But maybe you haven't had the experience of a foreign country where you're trying to understand someone and they're understanding you. And, or maybe you have, or you're, you're kind of there, maybe it's Spanish or some other country, and you decide, even though you don't know the language, you're just going to talk slower. And somehow that helps. I don't know how that helps. But you're, hey, this is what I am saying. And they're like, I still don't speak English, you know. So maybe you've had that experience. Uh, maybe more close to home, you've had the experience of going through like a drive through where the intercom is broken. You feel me? It's like you go through, you're trying to order, and that like, board, board, she's at the $4.99. You're like, that's not even what I ordered, you know. So maybe you've had that experience like at the McDonald's in Byron Center. Like anybody have that experience there? You're acting like y'all don't go to McDonald's? A bunch of liars. Yeah, like, yeah it, there's a reason Byron Center McDonald's is so in business, okay? And it's because of all of us. So let's just be clear about that. But here's what I found when it comes to following God. Here's what it comes. This is what we're talking about. This is what I found to be true, and you've probably found this to be true a little bit, is that it's not that God doesn't speak. Like that guy in that story was just ripping me to shreds. He was super articulate, super clear. I just didn't understand a word of it. It's not that God doesn't speak. It's that we often don't understand when God speaks. We miss the, the clarity and discernment to figure out what is he saying. Like my daughter, Lennon, super cute. She can't barely say any intelligible words right now, but she's super clear. She's like, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, exactly. I can't understand her. And this is similar. So many of us go through our relationships with Jesus hearing and sensing him speaking, whether it's through dreams or visions or a song or a sermon, but we do not understand. We don't discern. We can't tell what does this mean. And the big question asked today, because maybe you're like me, like I want to understand more of God's voice. Like do you, do you ever wish you could understand God's voice and his, his movement and even dreams he wants to give you in your life? I think a lot of us would say, yeah, I do. And so naturally, we go to a person, a character, like we've been following in the life of Joseph, who, who models this, who actually received dreams and visions from God that define not just his future, but the future of nations, the future of individuals. And God has that on the table for all of us. And I want to take us to kind of the next part of the story in Genesis 40. So if you have a Bible or device, pull it out. You're going to need it. Because Genesis 39, where we ended, was Potiphar's wife trying to seduce Joseph, say, hey, come to bed with me. And he's like, 
heck no. Like, my integrity matters way more than this kind of moment where I could take some power. And he runs, and she falsely accuses him and ends up in prison. So Joseph is in prison, and in verse 1, here's where Genesis 40 picks up the story. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. We're talking about Pharaoh here. So it's a butler and a baker, essentially. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. Some translations say he served them. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. So I want to take a quick pause there and kind of set the stage for us. So there's a, essentially a butler or a cupbearer and a baker, two people, who have been very close to Pharaoh, very inner circle to Pharaoh. And so if you're trying to assassinate a political leader, a military force like Egypt was, you would try to get it from the inside. You try to work it from the inside. And so maybe there was a conspiracy plot against Pharaoh and the butler and baker were somehow involved. Or maybe someone made a meal and it tasted off to Pharaoh. He got sick and he's like, get those guys in prison. They're trying to poison me. Or the text doesn't exactly say why did they end up in prison. But we know some, some human reason that they were there. But I think as you begin the story, you begin to catch on. I don't think they were there just for a human reason. I think there was a spiritual reason as well. We're going to read into this. And as you look at the next verse, you see this come, come to be. In verse 6, when Joseph came to them the next morning, to these two guys, he saw that they were dejected or depressed. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house. He says, why do you look so sad today to these two guys? Why do you look so sad? Verse 8, we both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your, say it with me, tell me your dreams. Tell me your dreams. See, the next part of the story, we don't have time to read all of it, but what happens next is that Joseph interprets the butler and baker's dreams. He tells them what these dreams mean. Now, they're not exactly pretty endings for some of them, but, but they are interpretations. They are clarity around what God was doing through those dreams. And here's what I believe to my core. God wants to speak to you and give you clarity about dreams just like he did Joseph. And I think a lot of us get hung up on this, right? We're like, well, I, I don't know if God's speaking. I don't know if he's saying something. Here's the thing. The question is not, is God speaking? The question is, do I understand him? That's the question. The question is not, is God speaking? Because God is a brilliant communicator. He's the best. He invented communication. He loves his people. He loves his kids. He is speaking to them all the time. Encouragement, inspiration, challenge, conviction, dreams and destiny, futures, correction, repent. He's always speaking. But the question is, and what we get hung up on is often, 
we do not understand when he speaks. We don't understand his voice. And I'd say truthfully, one of the most passed over ways God communicates is actually through dreams. I'm not talking about like a metaphorical dream for your life or like a destiny that God has for you. We talked about that already. That's important. That matters. That plays into this. I'm talking about in the middle of the night, when you're asleep, when you're daydreaming, whenever it is that your your eyes are closed and your brain is shut off, that God wants to communicate to you there too. He, he wants to speak to you through dreams. And one of my mentors, his name is Dan. Dan was just talking about this with me last week and it hit me. He said, we, the reason we don't hear God and understand him in our dreams is that we think we are too advanced and we're too educated for God to speak to us in dreams. I just don't need that. I'm smarter than that. That's weird or that's kooky or that's like for some unique personalities that aren't me. And so we just, we shut off that channel that God often does want to speak. But if you can read the Bible, you can see over and over again, not just Joseph, but Character after character, family after family, leader after leader were spoken to and guided by dreams and visions from God. It's just all over the place. So the question, again, is not, is God speaking through dreams? Is God speaking in general? The question is, do I understand him? Now, here's the deal. You may nod your head intellectually and agree with that, but you say, hey, I don't remember my dreams, man. Like, how am I supposed to hear from God? I don't even remember what I'm supposed to dream. Well, here's what I know. Scientifically speaking, all of us dream, every single one of us. But some of us are in the camp of what they call non-recallers, which essentially means you don't recall your dreams. You're just like, yeah, I probably did dream at some point. I don't know what it was or if it was significant or if it mattered. But others of us do remember our dreams. And so I want to talk to both of us in in the rest of this time. but, But here's what I know. There is a bent in Scripture towards God speaking to his people through dreams. If you you don't believe me, uh, write down or flag for later Job 33, 14. Job 33, 14. This is what it says in, in Job's story. For God does speak now one way, now another, though no one perceives it. In a dream... In the vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they slumber in their beds, he may speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings to turn them from wrongdoing, keep them from pride, to preserve them from the pit, their lives from perishing by the sword. Like there is kind of a bent and an expectation, rather, that God speaks through dreams. And here's why I know that's true. Because for many of, many of us, we have like a, a section of our lives where we allow God's space to speak to us. Sometimes that's church. Maybe that's like a private devotional time. Maybe it's through a trusted friend or a counseling relationship. Or, or maybe it's just through time alone in the Word. Like we have spaces where we may try to hear God's voice. And sometimes we have heard God's voice. We've sensed that or a prompting or something. But there's so much more. And the reason I say that is because this past week I had a lunch meeting at Panera Bread in Granville. Anyone ever been there? Like 44th and uh, Kenowa Avenue. So I'd never been to that Panera before. I've been to the 54th one a bunch. But I had a lunch meeting over there. And so I walk in, and the guy I'm with, we both order. And I'm like, man, this Panera's like kind of big, like kind of awkwardly large for a Panera Bread. I just didn't have those expectations of this Panera Bread. We get in line, we order our food, and then we go to the kind of left, and there's this whole little seating section. It's pretty private and, like, tucked away. I didn't even know it was there. I was like, 
man, there's more seats over here. Like the, the Panera Bread's already full at this point. I mean, it's noon on a Thursday. It's packed. And then I'm like halfway through this meal, and I decide, hey, man, I got to go to the bathroom. So he's like, okay. So I get up, go to the bathroom. I ask the Panera person who's there. I'm like, hey, where's the restroom? Like I didn't see any signs on the, on the, like in the area that we were in. And she's like, oh, it's upstairs. I was like, there's an upstairs? That's awesome. I didn't know Panera's had upstairs, right? What is this, New York City Panera? I mean, it's like the middle of Granville. It's gray. It's gross. Like, I, we don't deserve this. So we, I, I, not we, I walk up the stairs, and I turn to my right, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. They have a Panera, like, training center and offices and all this stuff. I'm like, there's more space up here for all that? Like, where's the bathroom? So then I turn to my left. I see the men's and women's room right there. And I'm like, okay, surely this is the extent of the Panera. Oh, no, 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 no. It gets bigger. You know, so I turn to my left and I look out and there's this whole loft, like cathedral ceilings. People are having meetings and typing on their computers and sharing a meal. I'm like, this is like the Disneyland of Panera Breads. You know, I didn't even know this thing existed. I've lived here for a bunch of years. I was just shocked. And I immediately I drove away, and I was thinking about this sermon. I think about this message I was, I was going to preach a couple days later. And I was thinking that is such a reminder to me of how we try to limit and close in the ways God can speak to us. It's kind of like me saying, well, God can only speak in the little narrow hallway where I'm sitting with this guy in our lunch meeting and I neglect the fact that he can speak in the main floor, in the training center, in the bathroom, in the cathedral ceiling vaulted loft thing. Like that, when you get in touch with the fact that God wants to speak and communicate to you, even through dreams, it's kind of like that. It's like walking through the Kenowa Panera and realizing, oh my goodness, like this world is so much bigger than I thought. And I think for the butler and the baker, as Joseph is interpreting and discerning these dreams, that's probably some thoughts that went through their head. Like, oh my goodness, like Joseph saying interpretations do not belong to the smartest Egyptian philosopher, do not belong to the people from the outside. They belong to God. And Joseph, as a messenger, as an as a ambassador of God in this story, he, he lives that out. Now, you're probably sitting there, maybe you're watching online, you're thinking, hey, how do I actually know, though, if a dream is from God or not? I mean, if you're a dream dreamer and you remember your dreams, I've had some wacky dreams. I remember them, and they are weird. Like, how does God speak through them? I'm not sure. But there, I, I think as you search scriptures and as you look directly in Joseph's story here in Genesis 40, you can tell there's kind of three markers of how to know if a dream is from God or not. Okay, so we're just going to go through these really, really quick. But again, the question is not, is God speaking? The question is, do I understand? Here's a way to work towards understanding. If a dream is from God or not, number one, it will glorify God. That dream will have kind of a circular effect. It will, it will honor God. It will exalt him. It will make him look good, not you look good. I mean, that's why Joseph says interpretations, they belong to God. God, it's for his glory. But number two, it will serve other people. That dream will begin serving and blessing other people. That's what happens in Joseph's story. 
right? He, he interprets the dreams. He has dreams. He doesn't know this quite yet, but Joseph's dreams at the very beginning of his life story are going to save a nation from extinction. God's chosen people, Israel. It's going to save people. It's going to serve them. Even at the very beginning of the story we read in verse 4, it says the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them, or he served them. It glorifies God. It serves other people. And third, it's specific to your season. God may do this for you. He has never done this for me. I'm very new to all this, but, but God is probably not going to give you a real, just precise, specific dream about someone you've never met out in like Tucson, Arizona. You know, like that's probably not exactly how God is going to work or how he's going to speak, but you can get a sense in your dreams, God, are you speaking into the season I'm in right now? Maybe it's specific. Maybe he's got characters or names or images or significant places in your dreams that they're not someone else's significant stuff. They're yours. Like God wants to speak, and he does it specifically in our season. But here's the catch to all of this. You could just sit here and be like, okay, that sounds great. Here's the catch. Satan would love for you to question your ability to hear God. Because you may sit there today and intellectually you're like, okay, I guess you're making a decent case. Joseph, I'm not Joseph, though. Or you don't know my personality. Or I'm a non-recaller. How am I supposed to remember? How's God going to speak to me if I don't even know the dreams I'm having? And here's what I say. Just like that Panera bread, I think Satan would love for you to box God's voice in, to limit his ability to speak, to say, even as bold to say, like, God, you can't speak when I'm asleep. I don't believe that. Like you're cutting off, I don't know, half your life, a big bulk of your life. And God, through Joseph, demonstrates he wants, he loves to speak to us. The question is, do I understand him? And honestly, whether you know it or not, our church, like the body of believers you're sitting in, has been led by dreams. Not just in my life, but... But Chad McCollum, who planted this church, a friend of mine to this day, we were talking a couple of years ago when we were praying and discerning about moving into this space from the school that we were renting. And he was, he was like, hey, did you know, like, I literally on a Christmas Eve sat in this family fair parking lot just across the way from where we are now. And I had like a dream, a vision from God that that center church would be meeting in this strip mall. And I was like, Whoa. I did not know that. Like, I never heard that. It was just new information to me. In some ways, you're sitting in a fulfilled dream of someone else. Uh, June 25th, I remember it because I typed it out in my iPhone note as soon as I woke up. I had a dream that I was sitting in our building. Our all staff uh, gathered, like all of our Zero Collective churches, our staff members gathered together once a month to pray and to to work together and, and discuss decisions and all those kind of things. And we were in this meeting, in this dream. And I'm in the meeting, and Brian Bloom, who's a lead pastor of the Zero Collective, a lot of you have met Brian, or he's been here and preached enough, you've maybe seen him. Brian is teaching, kind of a leadership training in this meeting. And in this dream, I'm sitting there, and I see someone walk through the main doors of our building. And I'm like, I got to get that. I got to talk to him. So I jump out of my seat, and I go up, and I start having this conversation. It was an old friend. I don't remember who it was in the dream, but I remember I knew them. I was going back and forth, 
And then I notice when I'm talking to his old friend that there's a, a like overflowing trash can over here. And we're having all staff meeting. I'm like, shoot, someone's got to throw away the trash. Like, it's so, it can't be dirty in here. Like, we got all our staff here. We want this to be clean and hospitable. So I was like, hey, I got I to gotta sit you to the side. I stop the conversation. I go, I clean up this trash. I throw it in the back. And I go back and sit down in the all staff meeting. And I realize I've missed like 85, 90% of what Brian was saying. And I can remember feeling like a kind of disappointment or a feeling of like unmet expectations at the end of the stream. And so I wake up, immediately I grab my phone and I type out this dream, June 25th, 2022. And I did not know what that meant for a really long time. (laughs) Honestly, I thought maybe God's telling me I'm a bad listener. And that could be true, right? Lindsay would be better for it if I grew in my listening. But uh, I don't think that was exactly what God was trying to say to me in the stream. I thought, because I, I filtered it through, okay, what glorifies him? What's going to serve other people? What's actually specific to my season? And I was thinking about this, and I, I actually talked about it with Brian. I said, hey, you're in the stream. What do you think this means? And he's like, I'm not totally sure. Like We talked about a couple possible interpretations of it. And as of like a couple weeks ago, I felt like I got clarity around what that dream meant. See, I was in a season uh, we just found out, or we're just about to find out, I didn't know it yet, but just find out that Lindsay was pregnant. There were some significant decisions in our church. God was doing a lot of things in my own life personally. I was nearing the end of my master's degree, and I was getting distracted. I was distracted. And I truly believe that Brian, and God will do this in your dreams, you'll, you'll see this happen, Brian was functioning as as the Holy Spirit in my dream. And I was so busy and distracted with other tasks, none of them bad, taking out the trash is good, talking to old friends, that's good. But I was so distracted from what God's voice was trying to tell me, I was missing 85 to 90% of what he wanted to say to me. Some of it about our church. And I remember thinking, Oh my goodness, that's what it meant. But that took six months. Like that was a long process. But here, here's my point in sharing all of that. Like I, I've got a 20-month-old daughter and one on the way. I've got an awesome wife. I want my kids to grow up in a church that expects to hear from God. Expects it. Doesn't relegate it to some other church. Doesn't say like, well, that's not us or, or that's not me. Or, that's not my personality or God only speaks to me when I'm awake or whatever the the reasoning is, but actually expects on a regular basis to hear from God. Maybe that means having a notebook out by your bedside from now on. Just say, hey, when God speaks to me a dream, I'm going to be ready to write it down. I don't know what it is, but expects to hear from God. And the beautiful thing about this story in Genesis 40 is that Joseph is a parallel, a type of Jesus Christ. He models for us Jesus. See, Just like Joseph, Jesus stepped in. We talked about this at Christmas. As an innocent man wrongly accused and thrown into the prison cell. And he works our freedom from the inside. But he knows the hardships and temptations, the suffering more than any of us. Yet never looks out for himself, but actually looks to the other people in the prison and said, Why are you so sad? Why are you so depressed? Let me help you and show you and clarify for you the dreams God has for your life. 
See, Joseph saw these men were clearly disturbed. I mean, you can see how the story pans out. They were disturbed by their dreams, and he approaches even the interpretation of these dreams as an act of serving them, of of laying down his life, of using his gifts and his abilities for God's kingdom. Ultimately, Joseph's dream becomes for the good of other people, and Jesus' sacrificial dream was that every single person that you meet, that you see at Family Fair, that you go to school with, that you go to work with, that you drive to school, whatever situations you find yourself around people on a weekly basis, that all of those people would have an encounter with the living God who loves them. That was his dream. And when you and I recognize the question is not, is God speaking? The question is, do I understand? You and I get to be a part of seeing that dream fulfilled. Now, here's the deal. There's a way, there's actually two ways that you can increase God's dreams in your life. And I, I'm naive enough to believe, even if you're a non-recaller, like, I don't remember any dreams I've had in the last like five years, that God can break through that and speak through that still. And I'm going to give you one really practical one. I'm going to give you one that takes some courage, okay? So one practical one, one that takes some courage. The practical one is do not live, if you want to increase God's dreams in your life, do not live exhausted, don't do it. Set boundaries. Protect your sleep. Eat well. Don't eat McDonald's every day at Byron Center. Like, don't be that person. Exercise. Work out. Move your body. Get your heart rate up. Go to bed on time. Wake up on time. Don't spend like the last three hours of your day looking at your phone or sitting on Netflix. Like, be smart. Don't live exhausted because. If you don't sleep well, you're not going to dream. God's not going to, like, circumvent your biology. He's like, well, you didn't sleep well. You're probably not going to dream. You may know this, but we sleep on an average of one to two hours less than most generations before us. So even our frequency of the ability to dream is is dwindling because we're not protecting this resource that we have. You can do other practical things. You can keep a notebook by your bed. You can have your phone open to the notes app and just every night say, God, what do you want to say to me? I'm just going to I'm going to be ready when you speak. I, I don't know what it is for you. So that's one practical one. Can I give you the second one? It's going to take some courage. It may take getting you uncomfortable. It may look a little bit weird and odd. It's ask the Holy Spirit for more dreams. Just ask. Uh, there's, a, there's a line that Jesus uses in a couple of different places, but he says, God is a good heavenly father who loves to give good gifts to his children. If his children ask for something, he's not going to give them the opposite. He, he wants to say yes to dreams and visions and impressions and promptings that ultimately are going to honor him. And here's the thing. I'm going to give you a chance to respond to that in just a minute, but here's the deal. I even asked our advisory team this last week. I said, hey, you guys help lead our church. You help lead our local body here. Like, do you have any dreams? Like, is God speaking to you in this way as well? And uh, one of them just really encouraged me. And I want to share this story with you before, before we close. So she wrote back and said, yes, actually I have. I have a friend whose daughter was born with hydrocephalia, which is a, a disorder where the water on her brain doesn't naturally drain out. So she had a surgically placed shunt in in the back of her neck to do that, to drain that out. She had physical disabilities and was on the autism spectrum. 
As an adult, she had transitioned into an adult living home. Thing is, she loved to sing and she followed Jesus. But one day her shunt stopped working and she suddenly died at age 28. I am I am what is called a non-recaller. I don't remember my dreams, but one night I had a dream about my friend's daughter. She was joining a group of our friends and laughing and talking and carrying on with conversation. And I remember thinking in the dream, God has made her whole. I shared it with my friend. My friend took that dream as comfort from the Lord. That's just one example. That's just one story of how God wants to use dreams in your life. And again, the question is not, God, are you speaking to me? The question is, do you understand? Are you perceiving? Are you willing? Are you open and asking, God, give me more, give me more, give me more. So I'd love to take a moment before we close out here and just to pray for you. We're going to sing a song. The band's going to lead us in that. But I, I would love to take this chance and love for you to process. Maybe that is one. Maybe you need to take both steps today. Maybe you got one and not the other. I don't know. But, but to follow through on that. So would you join me as we pray together? God, thank you. Just for moments like this, just powerful reminders. Powerful reminders that you desire to speak to us. I pray today for the person who just who sits there and doesn't feel like whether it's dreams and visions or just the ability to hear your voice in general that they've understood you when you have spoke that they're able to discern and, and to tell is this God or is this something else and so God I pray right now that you would allow us as we ask you for more, to experience that more. That today, for some of us, you would just mark this day, this specific Sunday, as a day where we said yes to you speaking, not just in the daytime, not just through a church service or a sermon or a worship song, but in our sleep as well. To listen to you, to be mindful of you, even when we're not awake. And no matter how weird and Irrational that may sound. God, I pray that you'd make us a little bit more like Joseph today. The ability to hear your voice and discern and interpret these things. So we love you and pray it all in Jesus' name.